couple weeks, and we've been studying Acts 4. So if you open to Acts 4 with me, we're going to get started. Last week, we talked about bold prayers and, and how what you pray reflects what you believe about God in your life. If you pray real small prayers, just very simple prayers, you might just believe that God is kind of small and he's kind of just simple in your life. If you pray, if you pray just not at all, well, then God might be non-existent in your life. Uh, what we pray reflects what we believe about God in our life. And so I ask everybody to do something, just reflect what you prayed in the last week. Because what you reflect back upon kind of shows you a glimpse and a perspective of what you actually believe. And so just think about the last year, what, what have you prayed? Have they been bold, outstanding prayers that only God can do, or could they be just simple, minute prayers? Now, simple, easy prayers are nice, and God appreciates those, but what really gets God is when we step out in faith and we pray something bold. See, because just a simple, small prayer that can just happen by happenstance and just occur on its own without the Father is not really a bold prayer. But, but prayers that we actually have to put our faith in and we have to step out and say and we have to actually move into, those are bold prayers, prayers that only God could answer. I was talking to Aspen earlier this morning. She's been praying because she had, they thought she had a lump, and they, they went in, and they, it's really, there's nothing there. There's no cancer, and they can't find it. Well, God is good. And, and he answers bold prayers when we pray, and, and, and he likes it when we have bold faith in our life. And we talked about Peter and John, how, how they were in front of the Sanhedrin, and, and, and they had bold faith the first week. And we talked about how Peter and John are standing there in front of the same people that had just crucified Jesus. And they're standing there, and they said, in whose name did you do this miracle? And, and they said, in the mighty name of Jesus. And then we talked about how they kind of twisted the sword a little bit into the Sanhedrin. Uh, the same man that you crucified and who God raised from the dead. See, that's, that's bold faith. I mean, they're standing in front of the same guys that hated Jesus. The same guys that put him on the most torturous way of death that you can experience in your life. Put him on a, put him on a cross and, and they didn't matter because they were bold. See, because there was something in them that just could not be quiet. There was something in them where they, they just could not be silent about their faith. And so, this week, we're going to talk about bold speaking. Last week, they prayed for bold miracles. They prayed for boldness. And we've been keying on, boldness is behavior born out of belief. Your boldness in your life is behavior that's born out of belief. And we've also, I put a wheel up a few weeks ago, and we talked about how the more time you spend with Jesus, do we have that wheel, Doug? The, number one, the more time you spend with Jesus, the more it builds your faith, the more it increases your boldness, the more results you get from your boldness, the more time you'll spend with Jesus, the more that it builds your faith, the more that you get bold, and it equals even more results, which equal equals more time with Jesus, and it's just a circle that grows and grows and grows. Because when you get it really deep down into your heart of how good he really is, 
and, and you realize what he wants to do in your life and what he has in store for you, it just keeps building your faith, keeps making you more bold. And there just keeps being more results and more results and more results, which leads to more time with him. But the key is, it starts with time with Jesus. What I love is when they're in front of the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin said, and we knew they'd been with Jesus. I want people wherever I go in my life to say, we know he's been with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this word that you're about to give us. I thank you, Father, that, that you're a good God and you have great, great things ahead of them and planned for them, even this week, Father, that there's going to be blessings in their path as they travel, Father. And I just thank you that the more we spend time with you, Father, the more you're going to build our faith, the bolder we're going to become, the more results we're going to have. And we just thank you, Father, that you're building their faith today. You're increasing their boldness so that we can win more people for you. In your name we pray. Amen. And so boldness is behavior born out of belief. I don't know about you, but I hate snakes. It's not a good thing. Now, I told you all probably six months ago, I, I hate monkeys even more. I just hate monkeys. I do. I hate monkeys. I, I watch these survivor shows and stuff, and the monkeys are in the trees, and the, they're all, they, they have brains, and they're plotting to get, you know, snakes really are kind of brainless animals. They're, they're going to bite you because they don't know no better. But a monkey, it's plotting against you. It's looking for you. It's throwing feces at you. I mean, they are not nice. Monkeys are mean animals. But there's something about a snake that's just sneaky. You know, at least the monkeys, you can see them and you know they're plotting against you. You know they're wanting to do funky things to you and steal your food and mess with you. Uh, but a snake, you're just walking along in the grass and all of a sudden it's a, ah, oh, Jesus moment. You know, it's, it's, it's a bad thing. And I just, I cannot stand snakes. Uh, in fact, my dad's got a ranch in, in LaBelle right outside of Beaumont. And it's high fence. He's got exotic animals all on it. He's got this really nice eight-acre pond that's got pingers going all off of it. And every cast you cast, you can catch a bass. It's just like heaven, you know. You sit out in your boat, every cast, you're going to catch a fish. And about every 10th or 12th cast, you're going to catch a one-and-a-half to three-pound bass, a bigger one. You know, you'll catch a small one every cast, but you'll catch about three-pound bass every 10 to 12 casts. And then once or twice a day, you might catch a 12 to 15-pound bass. I mean, just a really nice pond. But the only problem with his pond is there are water moccasins everywhere. And when we're building his house, I'm walking, we poured the slab, and we've got it framed up, and I'm wiring his whole house. I've done a lot of electrical over my years, and, and I've wired a lot of houses in my days. And so I'm walking through his house with a roll of wire on my shoulder, and I had some conduit, and I'm walking, or I had can lights or something in my hands, and I'm walking through this house, and I'm just walking through the den. And all of a sudden, it's one of those, <laughs> moments. Because there's a four-foot water moccasin right in the center of the living room curled up, ready to go to town. And I'm like, Jesus, help me. And they're just, they're everywhere. I mean, it is very common to drive around this place, and we, we start brush hogging land, and we'd be out there brush hogging, and you'd see six-foot snakes just going through the weeds, and I'd be revving up the tractor trying to catch them and run them over. 
I just hate snakes. I want them all dead, and I want them dead now. And, uh, you know, mice don't bother me, that kind of stuff, but snakes I hate. And um, Dad's house is just one of those places. It's just, I don't care if it's a poisonous snake, non-venomous snake, it doesn't matter. All snakes need to die. I'm just telling you, I don't look at them to examine, oh, that's a good snake. No, I don't do that. I, I'm sorry, it's, it's no, hey, Mr. Snake, let me turn you over and see if your belly looks a certain direction. No, I'm not doing that. Let me look at your eyes really close and gaze into them and see if they look like poisonous variety or non-poisonous variety. A snake is a snake, and it needs to die. Bottom line, I don't care, good snake, bad snake, green snake, yellow snake, dead snake, happy man. And that's it. I went to the Hunt Expo a couple weeks ago with Mike, and I'm just walking around having a good time, and I'm kind of backing up looking at this, this I think it was a ranger or something like that, you know, one of those <laughs> man toys. And uh, I'm looking at I'm backing up and kind of back into something, and I hear, <clears throat> I'm like, holy smoking Jesus, thank you, help me. Jesus, help me. There's like 150 rattlesnakes in this mesh pen. Why would you put rattlesnakes in the middle of a building? There's no good comes out of that. No good was me screaming at the top of the lungs looking like an idiot in the middle of a million people does not look good. It does not help. I'm really a brave guy. So there's a rattlesnake involved. I'm sorry, me and you are walking together, and I see a snake, you're walking alone, because I done left you. I'll never forget, we're on our deer lease in Fredericksburg, and we're, we got a bobcat out there, and we're picking up some rocks, cleaning out this ravine, and we pick up a bucket full of rocks, and we pick them up, and we turn, and as soon as we turn with the bucket, a friend of mine, Larry Rujo, is standing there, and out of the bucket, right next to his boots, comes about a six-foot rattlesnake. And uh, I hollered, snake! <laughs> and Larry, I mean, he looked like Flash. <laughs> Gone. The snakes aren't good. I'm not politically correct when it comes to snakes. I'm not for saving the snakes. I'm not for catching them and releasing them. No, I'm for a shotgun. I don't even want to get close enough with a shovel. Last one I seen at Dad's house. He he died. He had he died of lead poisoning. And and it, you know I don't care that he was in a hundred pieces. I don't feel no sympathy for a snake. I just I just don't. And you know we and we're in a we're in an environment in a world today where we're so politically correct. We can't kill a snake or we can't do this or or do that or uh, you know we're just gonna let our words be a witness or we're gonna just let our lives be a witness to people and you know I'm not really going to be bold and speak into their life or say nothing to them I just want them to kind of just look at me and just kind of kind of just relate to who I am and just know I'm a Christian because I'm a I'm a good guy and, and so we go through life with this mentality of you know it's not politically correct to say the name of Jesus well I got bad news for you he wasn't politically correct when 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 Peter and John were in front of the Sanhedrin either. 
but, but they said the name of Jesus, and they said it with boldness. And if I were to invite you to my parents' ranch to go fishing with me, and we were to walk around the pond, and I saw a water moccasin, I wouldn't just, you know, kind of walk around it and let my life be an example. Let you find it on your own. Well, you laugh, but isn't that how we lead our Christian life? There's a snake in the grass, and we just kind of, oh, you know what? That's not in my business. I, I know the rest, I know there's people behind me, and they, they, they'll find it on their own. Well, they might find it on their own in a way that's not pleasant. I don't want nobody to get bit. I don't want nobody to have to go to the hospital. I don't want nobody. To, if we go walking around my dad's pond, and I see a snake. I'm gonna tell you, snake, and I'm gonna look for my gun. Probably going to pull my pistol out of my pocket. I'm going to shoot that. I'm going to put the laser right on him. He's going to die. Because I value my friends, and I value what I think about my friends. and I value, what, I value their life enough to speak boldly into their life. So today our key is we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Because after all, boldness is behavior born out of belief. So in Acts, we read about, about the modern-day Christian and, 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 and the start of the church. And we read about these guys. In Acts 9.28, we see Saul after he's had his experience with, with God. And, and Jesus has showed up right in the middle of the street. And he's had his, his experience with Jesus. And his life has been changed. And so we see him in Acts 9.28. It says, so Saul moved about freely in Jerusalem speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Then in Acts 14.3, we see Paul and Barnabas. They, they spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord. They just didn't let their life be an example. They just didn't let everyday little words they spoke timidly be an example of who they were. But it says they went around speaking boldly speaking boldly for the Lord. Then Acts 4.31, we see, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The key word here being all. Every one of the disciples, every one of them in the upper room, were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all spoke the word of God. What? Come on, it's no fun playing by myself up here. They all spoke the word of God boldly. That's right. Because we speak boldly about what we believe in deeply. If we believe deeply about something, we speak about it. We see, we see Peter and John, they, they, the reason they were in trouble with the Sanhedrin is they healed a lame man, been lame for 40 years, and he's asking for silver and gold, and he says, silver and gold have we none, but what we have, we freely give. And so they go in front of the council, and we read again in Acts 416, what are we going to do with this man, the Sanhedrin say? They ask everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they have done an outstanding miracle. And we cannot deny it. Everyone in the city knew what they had done. This beggar was always at the gate. He was a fixture at the gate. He always sat there. He was always right there. Right in the middle of everything going on. Everybody in town knew him. He had been there for 40 years. 
If we had a beggar sitting in the parking lot of Wendy's for 40 years, everybody in this city would know it. Because everybody's got to have a Frosty every couple weeks at least. And so everybody would know it. I promise you, if there was a beggar in the Chick-fil-A parking lot in Lake Jackson or at Starbucks for 40 years, everybody would know his name. Everybody. Mike knows the names of all the beggars that are underneath the underpass by Bass Pro. He does, because he goes to Bass Pro every other day. But we would know their name, and they know that something's different. When a lame man that's been stuck in one spot is always, is all of a sudden he's, he's carousing and he's walking through town and he's got life and he's got pep and a step that he never had, they know something is different. They know something has changed. Everyone knew it. But the Sanhedrin still, they didn't want to believe it. But they can't deny it because there's too much evidence that God didn't lay around on the concrete for 40 years as a practical joke. Then all of a sudden, one day, jump up out of nowhere. They knew Peter and John said, be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone knew it. I'll never forget, I guess it was about seven, about seven years ago, Seven years ago, six years ago, Austin got drunk with boiling water. About six years ago, we're, I'm on my way home. I'm in my truck. I'm driving home, and I'm on the phone just talking to Jennifer, and she screams, this high-pitched, violent scream. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what happened? She hangs up on me. I'm like, what in the world? And so I call her, and she won't answer. And I keep calling her and calling her. And as I'm calling her, my foot keeps going down on the gas and down on the gas and down on the gas. And she's not answering. You know, I'm five minutes away from home. I make it about 30 seconds. And I run the house. Why aren't you answering the phone? You can't scream like that and not answer the phone. Are you crazy, woman? And I, I run in, and she had been boiling water. They took some pasta. And uh, she took the pasta that's boiled in the pot of water turned it off while it was still boiling and turned to the side and Austin ran through the kitchen at 100 miles an hour like he normally does looking for groceries and ran into the pot of water and it went all down his back and when I got there there was these huge welts coming up on his back and uh, Jen and we, we stripped him down and we threw him in a cold shower and the welts were getting bigger and uh do what only you know how to do as a pastor. You just laid hands on him and begin to pray because there's nothing else to do. You have the thoughts of, oh my God, CPS is going to take my kids away now. Uh, how, how does your kid get boiling water all over him? It ran down his backside, down his butt, down his legs, and it's just whelping up. And We begin to pray, and we pray with him under that cold water. And about 30 seconds later, all you can just see is just a little bit of red. Looks like a sunburn. That's all it looked like. Put a little aloe on it, everything. But but that doesn't that doesn't happen unless you know what to do and when to do it. And it doesn't just happen calling out on his name on a random event. 
Now, it could. God could hear you just on a random deal. But there's something about knowing his voice. There's something about spending time with him. There's something about speaking boldly, regularly, not just on a, on a whim or in an instant. Speaking and having bold faith in your life so that when you need it, it's there. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to get bold in my faith. I can't wait to get bold into my speaking until I have a kid with whelps growing on his back or I have a kid with bones sticking out of his arm from a go-kart accident. I can't, I can't wait to that moment. There's too much rotting on my relationship with God. I don't know how people in, a regular, in the regular realm of life deal with life in general without a, a mighty, mighty God with the name that is above all names. I don't know how they do it. For, something, for some of you, something might be going on in your life that you just you can't deny. You, you, you might not even believe it. Some of your marriages might have turned around. Something might have happened. You might have went to the doctor and thought you had cancer, and the doctor came back and said, no, I don't have cancer anymore. There might be something going on in your life, and when something like that happens, you just can't be quiet about it. You just, you can't deny it. You can't help but bring it up. You can't help but speak about it. Because when something gets in you that you know only, only my God could do, there's no way to be quiet about it. Because when you truly know Jesus and have been with Jesus, there's just something you can't be quiet about. You've got a kid that's been on drugs and all of a sudden he gets delivered, you can't be quiet. Or maybe you stepped out in faith and you said, you know what, I'm going to start tithing my church. Then all of a sudden, you have medical bills that just disappear. They call you and say, well, you don't owe us no more money. It's a, it's a done deal. Ethan's arm, $1.5 million worth of damage, all paid for. He and Pastor Jennifer are out of pocket, $36,000, the neighbor's insurance policy. We never threatened to sue, never did anything. Wrote us a check for it. Every penny we're out of pocket. And they said, Ethan's been through way too much not to be rewarded. Paid for his college. $158,000 sitting in a bank account waiting for that young man to go to school when he turns 18. That stuff just doesn't happen. You can't just be quiet about it. Usually it takes five years of fighting in the court of law to get anything done. Just offer it, Mr. Olivier. Uh, we go before the judge, and the judge tells us, Mr. The lawyers both stand up on both sides and say, Your Honor, we'd like to put this on record that Mr. Olivier and his wife are the two nicest people we've met ever met in our life that their son's been injured. Never threatened us, never raised their voice with us, never, never said they were going to sue us. And, and so we freely write a check today because of who they are and what they've done. Stuff like that just doesn't happen. You have to fight for stuff like that. But when you... You know who God is. You can't help. You can't help but tell everybody about how awesome he is and how good he is. Acts 4, 17 through 20. Turn with me. It says, but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. They warned them, don't say nothing about the name of Jesus. Now, I'm sure it was pretty strict of a warning. 
they done crucified Jesus with three stripes. And then, it, and then I love this. Look at verse 18 with me. And then they called them in again. In other words, they left. They called them back in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And that word commanded, if you look it up, it means threaten. They, they threatened them to no longer speak in the name of Jesus. Verse 19, but Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. They said, we cannot help. And if you look at the Greek for cannot help, in that context, they said, it is impossible for us not to speak about what we've seen and heard. There's no way we can be quiet about it. Because, you see, we've saw stuff. We, we've, we've seen some stuff in our life that we can't keep quiet about. Because we know what he's told us to do. We know what he's called us to do. And we're going to do it because we know without a shadow of a doubt that he is God Almighty. We know who he is, and we just can't keep it quiet. They could not help it. We know he was dead. We've seen him since then. We know he's alive. We know he's the son of God. We know that when he speaks, mountains move. We know when he's, what he says, it comes true. Every word he's ever told us has been faithful and true and has come to pass in our lives. We can't be quiet about that. Because when, when your passionate behavior, bold behavior, is born out of what you believe. And belief is what you know. They knew something that they couldn't be quiet about. They couldn't help it. You know, we're the same way with most of life. We can't help but to tell our friends about our, our experiences. Man, that movie was awesome. Jason Bourne kicked some tail. It was the best action movie I've ever seen. You know, we talk about our movies. And the girls are like, you know, that was just the sweetest love story. It was just beautiful. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just, my wife will kill me later for that. It's okay. She beats me up regularly. Don't tell nobody. Nah. But, but you know, just we can't, we can't help. We you know, oh, you got to see the new Batman versus Superman. The special effects are off the hook. We tell all of our friends about it. And it's a movie. Does it really matter a hill of beans? Does it really make an eternal difference? Has it really done something to save you? Did they really save the world, or is it just animation at its best? Is it special effects that are just at the best, that they, they look like reality. And we've got to talk about it. We, we can't hold it in. Or we go to the new restaurant in town, and, and we're like, man, the health department's going to shut them down. Don't go there. Oh, I shouldn't have said that, huh? <laughs> or, or we go to a new restaurant somewhere and say, man, you have got to go there. The service is fabulous. The food is fabulous, best I've ever had. It is phenomenal on all counts. We can't keep quiet when we have a good experience. We have to tell everybody, man, you've got to go to, you've got to go to Randall Osteen's fireworks stand, the, 
The stuff is off the chart there, and he's going to give you a fabulous deal when you go. We tell all our friends about our good experiences we have in life. We use those experiences, and, and, and we, help, we help move our friends towards those experiences because we move people when we speak boldly. We move them forward or we move them away from something. We say, no, there's a snake right there. Don't touch it. We move people when we speak boldly about something. Your friends, if you tell them the movie's great, what are they going to do next weekend or first free night? They're going to see the movie. Or a new music album comes out. Oh, my gosh, you've got you've to gotta listen to this music. You've got The new Elevate Worship CD is awesome. It's awesome. I just can't, I can't help but dance and sing when I get it. My kids get so mad at me. I'm in the car just... I'm doing my Carlton. For all y'all that ever watched the Fresh Prince. I'm just in the car having a good time, you know, singing along. And if I don't know the words, I'll make them up. You can ask my boys. I make up the words as I go, Coley. I love that song, I Am a Difference Maker. I like speaking bold things over my life. I'll be singing, I am the difference maker. Because I want to make a difference in this world. And I'm just singing along, having a good time, jamming to my, to my beats. And then all of a sudden, Justin Bieber comes on, I change the channel. <laughs> I'm not a believer. <laughs> now, my son, we get in the car, and he's got it tuned to the Bluetooth where he can override us. And he'll throw on a Justin Bieber song. I'm like, I am not listening to that garbage. Turn that off. He's embarrassed now that he's a believer. <laughs> Y'all can give him a hard time later. <laughs> he's also a Cowboy fan. For most of y'all, that's two strikes. <laughs> I want to give you today four specific areas I believe God wants you to speak boldly. Because I believe so deeply, number one, I can't help but speak boldly to myself. In 1 Samuel 36, King James, it says, And David was greatly distressed. King David was greatly distressed. His stress levels were to the max. He didn't know what to do. He was in a very, very bad place. For the people spoke of stoning him. People wanted to kill him. They were looking for him. Uh, you, you ever imagine somebody hunting you down one if I had a hitman looking for me, I'd be a little distressed. And uh, he, he's got more than one looking for him. He, he's in a place where he's distressed. And, but it says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. How many preached yourself? I mean, I walk around the office preaching myself all the time. Maybe it's arrogant, I don't know. But I'll say I'm more than a conqueror. I know who my God is. I have faith. I know what's about to happen in this city. I'm calling in Chick-fil-A in the name of Jesus right here in the middle of Angleton. I'm calling in a Lubies because all the old people need Lubies in town. <laughs> Head said amen. I guess I'm old. I like Lubies too. I'm calling in all the, I'm calling in Papacitos right in the middle of, praise God. I feel, I feel Jesus moving up here right now. And, uh. Papacitos and Papados right in the middle of town. Man, wouldn't that be great? Right in the middle of Angleton. 
Lord, we don't need an olive garden. We need a Carabas. Because I need me some hot bread with that, with that olive oil and that special dipping stuff. I don't know what it is, but it's a mixture of herbs. It just says hallelujah on my tongue. And uh, we need that right in the middle of Angleton. Woo, I need me some chicken brine with some goat cheese and basil. And those little cherry sun-dried tomatoes. Mm, I'm ready to go lunch right now. But, but I speak, I encourage myself. Maybe I need to quit encouraging myself about lunch. <laughs> I finally lose that, lose that five pounds I need to lose. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I speak positive on myself. I, I say, you know, I can do it. I know God's put me here in a destiny not to fail but to succeed. I know where he's called us to go as a church, and I'm praying for you every week. And I'm speaking bold prayers, and I'm speaking bold, bold statements over my life. I'm called by the Most High. I'm ordained to proclaim your name, Jesus. Last week I talked about speaking where you want to be in life. Our prayers and what we speak over our life becomes prophecy in our life. And that prophecy determines the future that you're going to live in. You got to start speaking life, bold speaking over your life, bold speaking, bold speaking. I I love to be in the house. If you if you don't go to church often, just start saying, "I love to be in the house of the Lord." Just speak it over your life. I love to dwell in the presence of the Almighty. If you don't pray enough, just start speaking. I am a prayer warrior. Start speaking stuff over your life because you believe so deeply. You can't help but encourage yourself. Number two. Can't help but encourage one another. Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. In other words, don't wait till tomorrow. Encourage one another today. I watch people every day and they I do funerals all the time, and I just wish I'd I'd call my grandma more. I wish I'd went to go see her more. Or I wish I'd spent more time with her. Encourage those you love. Speak into their life. Don't wait till it's too late. Speak life over your people. I speak life over my parents. My mom and dad are going to live a long life, a full life. They're going to be around for a long time. I don't need my inheritance. I'm fine just where I'm at. I want them here forever. They're going to live an old age and see their great, 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 great grandchildren. They're never going to lose their their, their mind. They're never going to lose their their facilities. They're never going to lose any of that. They're going to live strong, bold lives for Jesus every single day. Encourage someone today. Encourage your kids. We've got to speak life over our kids. Boy, it was good Friday night watching my boy in his Angleton Wildcat uniform. Run that run run across the field and run through the tunnel. I said, were you nervous? He goes, Yeah, I'm still shaking, Dad. And uh just to watch him uh the first quarter of the game just pin the quarterback down so far far about to tackle him, about to eat his lunch for him, and the quarterback had to spike the ball and got a penalty for what do they call it? I can't even think of it right now. Intentional grounding. 
that intentional grounding. But he'd have never done that if he hadn't got on the field, worked hard, and got in the game. We got to get in the game of speaking over our people and speaking over our life. Start prophesying over yourself. Start speaking life into your life. I got a good friend. Good friend. Her name's Crystal Bancor. Her and Eddie have been good friends with me and Pastor Jennifer for a long time. I actually mentored them to do children's ministry and trained them up. About two and a half years ago, they told Crystal that uh, she's got a rare disease and that she had two years to live. And I said, just nothing we can do for you. Really can't help you. Um, just go home and just enjoy your last two years of life. Well, she lives a she's about eight and ten right now, something like that. Two little girls, great people. Told her that her life was just a death sentence. She just went home, started speaking boldly over herself. Started speaking, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live. Jesus has bought me to have life and have it to the full and have it more abundantly. Just started speaking over her life. She went to a specialist this weekend, or a couple weeks ago, and they said, they said we're going to do surgery this week on you, and uh, we think we can extend your life a little bit. We won't be won't extend you a whole long time. We might get you another year. They went to surgery this, this week. They cut her open. She comes out of surgery. They go up to her husband while she's still under, and they said, uh, Mr. Bancor? He said, yeah. She said, uh, we quite don't really understand what just happened, but uh, we, we went in to do sur- and did surgery on your wife, and not only could we fix it and give her a little longer, it really wasn't what we thought it was. We fixed the problem that she'll have a full life, fully recovered, and, and, and there will be no problems forevermore. <clears throat> because she believed so deeply, she would get it. Number three, because I believe so deeply, I can't help but lovingly correct them. This is the hard one. This is the one no one wants to hear. Well, you know, that's their problem, and they've been my friend for a long time. If I say anything, it, it's going to hurt our friendship. Proverbs 27, 6 says this. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. It's better to wound your friend a little instead of just kissing them. You understand what this says? Better than many kisses from an enemy. In other words, it, it's better to be a friend that that wounds them a little bit and hurts them a little bit with correction than to be their enemy who won't tell them nothing and will just act like everything's okay. That's what the scripture says. They say, well, I'm so politically correct, you know, it's just, just I, can't, I can't correct that. You know, that's a, that's a hot political issue right now. It's not what the word of God says, though. Matthew 18 covers this. Go read it when you get home. Biblical correction, stern, shows love and it shows compassion. We have to show love and compassion when we do it. But at the same time, if we walk by our spiritual enemy, a snake, and we see it operating in somebody's life, we don't just, well, they'll, they'll know it's by the way we live our lives. It's okay. No, it's not okay. It's not, church. We have to say there's a snake in your life. There's a snake in your garden. 
and it could kill you. And I'm only telling you because I love you. Because if I wasn't, if I didn't love you, I'd just let it bite you and I'd let it, I'd let it slowly just evaporate away who you are. But that's not who you are. And you speak boldly in their life. I was there when you got married and made a covenant to your wife. You don't need to run off with that young girl. God has better plans than that for you. This is just an emotional, small fix in your life. We have to be able to speak boldly into people's life and, and, and through love and correction help them and move forward. Because I promise you, if you're not a friend, they won't take it. But if you're a true friend, they ain't going to hate you forever for speaking truth in their life because they're about to go down a road. It's like watching somebody go, go down a road, you know there's closed, and they're about to drive off a cliff. You wouldn't do that. you put up warning signs for them. Somebody's got to put a stop sign up in their life and say, you're going down a path that, 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 that's not good. And, and you're about to do some stuff that's going to affect your children forevermore. Or you, you see a friend that's got an alcohol problem. He's starting to drink too much. And you have to say, hey, bud, you know, I, I once had a problem with this. I go to AA on this night. Come with me. Or there's a great program uh, called Celebrate Recovery. Let me, you know what, I've never been through what you're going through. I don't know where you're at in life, but I'll be glad to go to the meetings with you. We, we have to put up stop signs. We have to help people. Because you believe so deeply, you don't want them to go down that path. Number four, I believe, because I believe so deeply, I can't help but lead you towards the cross. Acts 4.20, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard, what they said. We cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. Why, why do I present the gospel every week? Because I just can't be quiet about what Jesus has done for me. I didn't go through all the bad things in life. I didn't have this traumatic experience where he just healed me from drugs and alcohol. I was a pretty good kid growing up. But still, there was a change that happened. And I've seen too much since that change to be quiet. I've seen too many people's lives changed. I've seen too many people healed. I've seen too many people set free to be quiet about how good the name of Jesus really is and what he's done for me. So, Pastor, why are you so passionate? I don't know, when you see it every day, it's just passion. I can't help but being passionate about Jesus. He's changed me. He's transformed me. I know what my grandfather looked like. I know how he acted. I knew what my dad's life looked like for the first 35 to 37 years of his life. I've seen what he's done for him. And I know that I would be in the same spot today that he was in 35 to 37 years into life had I not found Emmanuel. Had he not changed my life, had he not changed my destiny, had he not changed my future, I'd be a miserable old man just like my grandfather. And I love him with all of my heart. But if I can use him for an example, to set somebody free, I'm going to use somebody 
for Jesus and how to do it. I want to encourage you, church. We move our friends towards movies. We move our friends towards restaurants. We move them away from home. We shift how our friends do life because we love them. We want them to know about our experience. Why would we keep quiet about our experiences that we've had at church or at home? I'm challenging you this week, tell somebody how much you enjoy church. Tell somebody about what Jesus has done for you. Our testimony is the most powerful thing we have. I teach everyone here that we need to do four things. As good, as good Bible believers and as good Jesus followers, we need to do four things. We need to meet new people. We need to build relationships. We need to equip people. And we need to tell everyone what Jesus is doing. That's, that's the key to growing people's life in Christ. The band's going to come, and we're gonna, I'm going to close out with this today. very bold about what I believe to be true. I think we all ought to be very bold about what we believe to be true. Father, I just thank you today. I thank you for new boldness. Father, let us reflect back and not just get caught in a, a, mont, a montaneous part of life, Father, where monotony sets in and where we just, we expect and we we walk through a normal everyday life and we just get caught up in the business businessness busyness of life father where we can't walk clearly and know who you are i thank you father that something would awaken in us that we become passionate about what we truly believe if we won't worry about being politically correct father when we see a snake we'll call it a snake we see the devil attacking our friends and family, we'll speak, we'll speak boldly over them, Father, to help change their future and their destiny. I think, Father, that as we've gone through this series, you build our faith, Father. Father, let us be bold because you were bold for us. Jesus, we just want to reach people for you. That's all we want in life. We just want to tell people about how good you are and how great you've been to us. We thank you today, Father, that you'll change our mindsets and our precepts and the way that we walk through life. and We'll concentrate on the bigger picture. We'll open our eyes to see what our future looks like. And Father, I just pray that even... Even as they sleep this week in their dreams, you show them the future of what their friends look like without a future with Jesus. Change hearts today, Father. Let us become bold about you. Because after all, in the end, when we breathe our last breath, or we say our last words, eternity is just all about you. Everything we do here on life amounts to one thing, a life eternal spent with Jesus. Father, don't let me wait for eternal, eternal things to happen. Don't let me wait for eternity to happen, Father, to, to praise you and to speak boldly about who you are and about your word.
Let your spirit guide us in everything that we do, Father. Stand with me throughout the audience today. Today, maybe some things have happened in your life and you need somebody to speak boldly into your life. Maybe you've got a sickness that you're fighting. Maybe you've got a friend that's suffering with something today. Maybe you've never experienced the Jesus that I'm talking about. My favorite scriptures in Romans 10 where it says, Everyone that calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. It's that easy. If you call on his name, he saves you. It's really beautiful. Even as he hung on the cross, the thief next to him said, I believe in you. He said, Tonight, I'll see you in eternity. It's that easy. Just, just to say the name that the Sanhedrin wanted Peter and John to be quiet about. Just to say the name of Jesus can change your life forever. Just one word, Jesus. Today, maybe you've never asked Jesus into your life. Our prayer partners are coming as I speak. Maybe you need to speak some bold things over your life. Maybe you need to accept this Jesus I've talked about. With boldness today, the altars are open. If you need Jesus to touch you in any way, he's here waiting on you in this altar. Father, I bless them as they go today. Let them be bold in everything they do. Let every step they take, Father, be with you in mind, with purpose and with destiny, Father. Let them meet people this week and let them tell everyone they come in contact about how great you are. This is our prayer today, Father. In your name we pray. Now, Father, what you want to do in a church, do it in this church. What you want to do with the people, do it with these people this week, Father. And let them do it with boldness. In your name we pray. Amen.